I was deciding ahead of time that I was trying to protect Emily from the ugly truth, and I didn't want her to know any of that, and so I was going to take it to my grave. So while God is telling me the answer, I am not doing what he says. I was looking for any other way out other than telling Emily. Has your marriage been shattered by sexual betrayal? Are you wondering if there's any possible way to save your marriage, or even if you want to? Is there just the tiniest glimmer of hope that you and your spouse can work it out, but you have no clue how or where to start? Hello, and welcome to Beyond Broken Vows podcast. We're your hosts, Johnny and Emily Spiegelmeyer, two formerly seriously broken people who have been called by God to share our story of redemption and the hope that lies within every story that's fully surrendered to God. And we have been where you are, my friends. As a result of adultery fueled by pornography, the marriage vows we had exchanged as newlyweds were eventually shattered. However, we are here together to let you know that this devastation we experienced was actually a gift. On our show, we will be sharing the resources we found invaluable on our road to reconciliation and recovery. We'll tackle the topics of marriage, faith in God, infidelity, porn addiction, and recovery. We will also be taking questions from you, our awesome audience. So if you're ready to move from pain-filled todays into hope-filled tomorrows, grab your favorite beverage and spend a little time with us. We want you to know that your story matters and that there is hope for your marriage through Christ Jesus. Marriage is redeemed. Hearts renewed. On Beyond Broken Vows podcast. Hello and welcome to today's show. If you're listening to us today, that means you made it through the previous two episodes where Emily and I told our stories and we didn't scare you off. So today we have our very first review to read and we're very excited about the feedback that we have received thus far. Emily, what do we have today? Okay, so this review comes from Texas Yanks 1 and he says, As I listen to both stories from Johnny and Emily, so much of it parallels the story of my ex-wife and mine. I encourage anyone who has struggled with sexual addiction or been sexually abused to listen to this podcast. It will give you hope that is found only in the unconditional acceptance and love of God and will dispel the lie that you are the only one struggling and are alone. There is restoration, reconciliation, and resurrection that Jesus wants to bring to everyone who is willing to be open, honest, and transparent. Thank you, Texas Yanks One, for that review. I'm really glad that you found that you could pull something out of our story that was meaningful for you. That is our hope. It's very helpful for our show that as you leave those reviews on Apple Podcast, it helps our reach expand. Absolutely. So today we're going to tell our story, and it's going to start with how we met. Why don't you start us out, Johnny? So this is always a fun story to tell. I was 16 years old and working at a fast food restaurant in the South Austin area. And you and one of my friends from church walked through the door and I was so taken by you when I saw you walk in and you went and sat down. It's not normal for us to take orders directly at the table, but I grabbed an order pad from the counter and I ran out to the table to make sure that I got to take your order and at least meet you face to face and have you see me. I don't really know what my end goal was, but I knew that I had to come out and meet you. It didn't really lead to much at that point because I took your order and I went back and we made your order and you had your dinner and you and my friend uh, left. And where did you guys go from there? 
Well, we went over to a church that he was attending that had a volleyball league on Monday nights. And so we went over there to play volleyball. Turns out that that was also the church that you and your family attended. And so while we were there, this guy busts through the door and announces himself in a big, loud voice and says, what did you say, Johnny? I probably would have said something about the fact that uh, the party can now start because I'm here. (laughs) Right. So we met again at that volleyball game, and our mutual friend later said he regretted introducing us because he saw the sparks fly. But nothing came of it at that time because you were dating someone else, and I was actually dating a lot of someones. So (laughs) we finally uh, met up again, though, about a year and a half later. That's right. Through work, and started hanging out as friends, and then we had our first date in September of 1986 at an iconic restaurant here in South Austin that we still frequent today. It's absolutely our favorite. We kind of joke because we've been going to this restaurant longer than most of the servers and managers have been alive. What a fun and awkward date that was. I remember there was one little thing when we were coming out of the restaurant after eating, And there was a water puddle there, and I remember whisking you off of your feet to carry you over the water puddle. And then when I put you down on the other side, we had noticed that the very thin strap on your dress had snapped and broke. Yeah. (laughs) And fortunately, you, you were laughing about it, and it gave me such relief because... That would have been devastating for me to think that I I ripped your dress on our first date. Right, but that was a fun memory to think back on. It wasn't too long after that first date that I was with my friends, and uh, I announced to them that I was going to be marrying Emily. So you did propose to me five months later at the beach without a ring, and you weren't yet a believer. So what was I thinking? (laughs) I don't know, but I did say yes. But shortly after that, all of a sudden it was getting difficult for us. We weren't communicating well. We were irritating each other, which was not right because from the time that we started dating, we loved being with each other. We were with each other every day, and now something doesn't seem right. So eventually, within about a month, we made the mutual decision to break off our engagement. Yes, not that we were breaking our relationship, but we were just not ready to be married. Yes, we weren't ready to be married, and I was ready for my life to continue, so I enrolled in a technical school up north of Austin, and I was starting to prepare to make the move to go up there, and you wanted to go with me, so we started talking about being married again. So I took some clues there, and I actually went and bought a ring, and I proposed to you and you accepted once again. Right. And that was in April of 1987. The first one was on Valentine's Day, which would have been kind of cool because that's when my parents' anniversary is. But it didn't work out so well, so April was when we got engaged again. And that time, it took. Two months after that, though, I would be in a church service, and that church service was so powerful to me, and that was the Sunday that I gave my life to Christ, the end of June 1986. Yes, and so I was going to be marrying a believer by the skin of my teeth. <laughs> yeah, I, I was playing with fire for sure, but you were serious about your relationship with Christ, and you wanted to grow, and you wanted to do the right things at that point in your life. Yes, and by this time, we had already set the date for our wedding to be September 19th, 
and we had just at that same time entered into premarital counseling with the pastor who had married us. He insisted that if we were going to remain sexually active, that he would not be able to marry us. So he encouraged us to end that part of our relationship, and we did. We took up that choice for secondary purity, and we abstained sexually for the three months leading up to our wedding. Yes, and get married we did, September 19, 1987. And it was a beautiful wedding, and we did have a nice honeymoon but we were a couple of poor kids, but we had each other. And so we spent that first year together really concentrating on communicating and setting patterns that would set the foundation for our marriage for many years to come. That's right. We wanted to be married on purpose. We had enjoyed the process of going through marital counseling, and so we wanted to follow these patterns that were established by our marriage counselor. So what were those patterns that we set? Well, first of all, we both worked, and so we set a pattern of coming home from work and sitting on the couch and talking to each other about our day. We would take about 20 minutes and just let each other know everything that happened, and then we would set that aside for the rest of the night so that we could concentrate on each other. We concentrated on communication. We learned in our premarital counseling about fighting fair. Fighting in marriage is going to happen. But to fight fair means that you don't say anything that you would later regret. Say anything that would damage the other person that may not be able to be repaired. We also learned in practice that we wouldn't involve other people into our fights. If we had a fight, we didn't tell our family, we didn't tell our friends. Because we would kiss and make up because we knew that we were going to get through that. But our friends and family wouldn't have that opportunity so we didn't want to leave them at that place where they thought there was some unresolved issues in our marriage and possibly have hard feelings towards our spouse. We also agreed that we weren't going to disagree in public. If there was something that one of us said that we're like looking at him, what? We didn't say that out loud in front of people. We decided we would take that home and do it in private. Yes, and as a result of using those patterns, we had a wonderful first year mm -hmm. of marriage. We did. But we were still living in our apartment, and we really wanted to buy a house. We realized that the current jobs that we had were just not going to be enough. So we started looking for career opportunities, and Emily and I thought, maybe let's try the military. It didn't take long for us to figure out that the military really wasn't going to be an option for Emily, but it was going to be for me. So ultimately, we decided that I was going to join the United States Navy. After boot camp, I got stationed in uh, California on aircraft carriers, and I became quickly known as the token Christian boy. Not that I was ever the kind of man that was just going to put my Christianity out there, and you're going to have to accept it just the way that I am. I'm not beating you over the head with the Bible, but I was standing my ground on my moral beliefs, and that set me apart. The other folks that I worked with when I was in the Navy, they set it upon themselves to try to corrupt me as best they could, try to take me out and make me get drunk and get me up with a prostitute, things like that. Those threats never came to fruition. None of that ever happened. And I was maintaining my purity to my wife this whole time. But unfortunately, in the last year, through the pressures of being on the ship, through the stress of the work on the, on the flight deck of an aircraft carrier, I gave in to the temptation of viewing pornography and started looking at it and using it again. And that would continue for the rest of my enlistment and beyond. We had decided together that I was not going to re-enlist in the Navy, and so we returned home to Texas. 
Yes, and we returned home to Texas with our firstborn child, who was three months at the time. And we did move back into your parents' house for five months while we were looking for our own place to buy and live. So let me just add right here, moving back into my dad's house also means that I'm moving back into where the porn stash was. And I started looking at the magazines again, and I was using them to satisfy my own needs. I was feeling really guilty about it at this time, so I felt that it was necessary to confess that to you. You were devastated, and rightly so. Yes, I was devastated by that. I really viewed it as adultery, and I did not take it very well. <laughs> and I think that really scared you. But we worked it out. We talked it through, and you promised that you weren't going to do it anymore, and I believed you, and we moved on. What I learned from that, because of your reaction, was not to stop using the pornography, but just to not tell you about it. And not even my relationship with Jesus at this point gave me enough strength to be able to stop. We did buy our first home and took our little family there to start living life together in Texas. You had a great job, and I started a daycare in our home so that I could bring in some income while raising the kids. And you know what? Porn use came up here and there on occasion because I either caught you with it or you confessed to me. And this was something that would become a pattern throughout our marriage. I would forgive you. You would promise not to do it again. We didn't invite anybody in to help us deal with it, so it would go away temporarily. And then we had our third child, and we started homeschooling our kids, which was a wonderful experience. It had its ups and downs, but this was a decision that we had made together that we absolutely are glad we did. And so those years were kind of cruise control. We were just doing the family life thing. So this brings us to 2007. We're now married for 20 years, but through all of the confessions and finding outs and the not dealing with it, I had through that period determined that Emily was no longer emotionally safe for me. She was trying to get to the parts of me that hurt, the things that I was hiding in my life and didn't want anybody to know. So I emotionally separated from her. Uh, that turned out to be extremely disastrous on my part because it was shortly after that that I entered into my first sexual relationship with a woman that was not my wife. Over the course of the next decade, despite my entering in my first extramarital affair, and there would be two more to come after that, my spiritual life was growing tremendously. My life in Christ was getting closer. I was having a relationship now with the Holy Spirit, and the fruits of the Holy Spirit were being demonstrated to the point where it was outwardly noticed by those in my church and ultimately led to me becoming a licensed minister through my church so that I could carry on pastoral and ministry work, not just in the church, but also in the motorcycle ministry. That motorcycle ministry would start having me traveling more. I would get on my motorcycle, I'd be traveling to different states, I'd be gone for long periods of time. And the longer I was on the road, the more separate and more emotionally distant I was starting to become from Emily. Yes, and in those years, the kids were growing, and I was working more in my business. I was traveling for work a lot, and it really was easier to just have you gone for those periods of time, especially once our last child left the house uh, and I was home alone. I did feel abandoned. I did feel neglected. 
I feel like you are still trying to connect with me through texts and phone calls like you always had. But those times in between your trips, you'd come home, I'd talk to you, and I was looking into eyes that were glazed over. I felt like I couldn't get your attention. I felt like you didn't see me anymore. And this fairy tale marriage that I had clung to for all these years was breaking down. I had really put you on a pedestal. I had made you my idol. Our marriage was our idol. I felt that it was slipping out of my grasp and I didn't really know what to do about it. These years also left me in a place where I was starting to think with the distance that I was traveling and the life that I was living and the more time that I was spending alone and my thought life starting to enter the process of maybe what it would be like if I wasn't married anymore that I could be more free to travel, more free to be doing more ministry. And this is the way I justified it. All the while now, I'm involved in my third extramarital affair. But God wasn't going to just leave it there like that. I knew I had some kind of problem with my strong desire for sexual activity, and I justified it as being a man who really likes to have sex. But I would pour myself out before God in my quiet times in the morning and I would be begging God, take this from me. I can't make it go away on my own. And his answer to me on many of those occasions was, Johnny, you're going to have to tell Emily. And I remember telling him specifically back, no, I won't do that. No, I can't do that. I was deciding ahead of time that I was trying to protect Emily from the ugly truth, and I didn't want her to know any of that, and so I was going to take it to my grave. So while God is telling me the answer, I am not doing what he says. I was looking for any other way out other than telling Emily. At the end of 2018, God stepped into my life and started to do for me what I couldn't or wouldn't do for myself. He was the one who orchestrated the events that led to the accusations through my ministry leaders to be brought to me, and now I was being made to answer for those. And in my habit, as it was, that I would start to lie or gaslight or to deflect or justify, I started to do that, and then I stopped. And for the very first time, I looked at those two men and I told them that this is all true. And from that moment on, I believe now that I was miraculously healed of my addiction. It would take the rest of my life to work out the habits and the defects of character in my life that kind of held me in that addiction. But I was truly miraculously healed. I was rescued by God that day. And I was rescued that day, even though it didn't feel like that at the time. What I thought was the worst day of my life was actually the beginning of the best days of my life. We do understand that deciding to stay married after the devastation of betrayal in marriage is not necessarily a no-brainer. So join us next week as we sit down to talk about how we decided to stay married and we'll share some of the resources that helped us come to that decision. So see you next time here on Beyond Broken Vows podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. And before you go, if this podcast has encouraged you and you're feeling some hope for today, please share the show with someone else you know who is going through a similar situation and needs to know that they're not alone. 
One of the best ways you can help us reach more people is to leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to hit subscribe so that you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. And as always, we would love to hear questions from you that we can answer on our midweek show. Just email us at support at beyondbrokenvows.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.